Welcome to the podcast of First Baptist Church of Robbinsville. Thank you for joining us. We trust that the teaching of God's Word will speak to you. All right, well, good morning again, church family. It is great to, again, to be with you today. And I hope that those songs are on your heart this week because what a wonderful way to get through our day to sing about and proclaim the goodness of our Lord. No matter the circumstances of life, that truth does not change. So thank you, worship team, for leading us in that. And I hope that those songs were an encouragement to you and your faith. Well, today we are kicking off week 10 of our series in Proverbs. And Proverbs, maybe, I don't know how you're feeling about this now after 10 weeks. Maybe you really enjoy Proverbs. Maybe you really like the way that Proverbs is written and you like the poetry aspect. And some of others of you may be like, man, poetry is really hard. When can we just get back to like, you know, the Gospels where it's just very clear and they just like, Paul just kind of tells us what to do and it's just very like outlined and, and that's really easy. You know, maybe, maybe you like that more because poetry is kind of tough for us sometimes. And if you, if maybe if you just joined the last couple of weeks, we talked about this at the beginning of the series, but we've not touched on it in a while. So I want to just go back a little bit and, and again reflect on why does God choose to communicate to us in poetry, right? Because really, we could take the principles that we're going to look at today from Proverbs 4, and we could go to the New Testament and just find a little phrase that would communicate the same principle that God chooses to communicate in like 12 verses. And... You know, maybe sometimes the way God communicates, there's a lot of words and there's a lot of repetition, and you just wonder, why? Why does, it, why does God choose to communicate this way? Because these aren't just poems that God chose to say for us. These are poems from God's mouth. These are God's words for us, and God wants us to have these words, and He wanted us to have it in the form of poetry. Now, as we think about why, you know, poetry does something to us emotionally that typical words and narratives don't. Poetry connects with us on a very emotional level, and it really engages all of our senses in a way that just a statement of truth may not. And so part of the purpose of Proverbs is to not only communicate these truths to us, but to help us feel the truths that are being communicated. God wants us to feel His plea for us to choose the path of wisdom. He doesn't want to just communicate this as a truth, I want you to choose wisdom. He wants us to genuinely feel the passion that he has for us as he's asking us to consider his path of wisdom. So I want to start out this morning by reading all of Proverbs chapter 4. And I'm not going to put it on the screen because I either want you, you can look in your scripture and follow along with me or you can just listen. But I want you to kind of take yourselves and put yourself in the position of this original setting. Here we have a father who is communicating to his children his desire for them to choose wisdom. Now, those of you who are parents, you understand this father's feelings. You are desperate for your children to listen and heed the wisdom that you have learned because you don't want them to experience the pain of foolishness. So listen to me as we read all of Proverbs 4. Hear, my children, the instruction of a father, and give attention to no understanding, for I give you good doctrine." Do not forsake my law. When I was my father's son, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me and said to me, let your heart retain my words, keep my commands and live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will preserve you. 
Love her, and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory she will deliver to you. Hear my son and receive my sayings. And the years of your life will be many. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered. And when you run, you will not stumble. Take firm hold of instruction. Do not let her go. Keep her for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they do not sleep unless they have done evil and their sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and they drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines even brighter unto the perfect day. But the way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. This is God's word to us in Proverbs 4. Now I want you to think, and how different is this Proverbs if you're just like, put away a deceitful mouth perverse lips are bad, keep your eyes looking ahead, consider the path of your feet. Do you you see how different that is? You see, when we take the emotion and the passion out of poetry, we kill it. When we take this and just read it like a list of do's and don'ts and things we're supposed to do, we miss the heart of what God is trying to communicate. You know, the way we read the Bible actually greatly affects the way we understand the Bible. When we read the Bible from this passionate father who's pleading with his son, it automatically helps us to understand something that we will never understand if we just read this like we're bored. So I hope as we read Proverbs and as we go throughout this whole study, you're continually seeing God's longing for you to get it. How desperately God is pleading with you to choose this path of wisdom. So today we're going to focus on the last half of this chapter, and in our text we're really going to compare and contrast, again, this path of wisdom and the path of foolishness. And I know maybe you're thinking we've done that like 12 times in 10 lessons, right? And it's true. We have. But what makes this passage unique is that this passage is also going to give us really clear indicators that tell us which path we're on. We're not, we won't have to leave here today wondering, am I on the path of wisdom or am I actually on the path of foolishness? Proverbs 4 gives us very clear indicators that we can look at in our life to know which path am I really on. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we start our study. Father, thank you that you have chosen to communicate with us. Thank you that you have chosen to communicate in a way that makes us feel the passion of your heart. Father, help us to get that today, that these are not just principles that that we're supposed to discipline ourselves to live by, but God, these are pleas from the God of the universe to us as his children. 
Father, you long for us to experience the blessing and the fulfillment of life, and your, your heart hurts when you see your children choosing foolishness, which leads to pain. Father, I pray that wherever we find ourselves in life today, that we would, we would understand and experience your heart and your passion for us, which is such an incredible reality. May that be really real in our lives today. May you open our eyes to understand your word. In your name we pray, amen. So as we were reading that, maybe you saw this phrase that was repeated often. And when you're reading poetry, repeated phrases are something that should kind of get our attention. And so three times in this text, we hear a very similar idea. Hear my children, the instruction of a father. Hear my son and receive my sayings. My son, give attention to my words. Do you think that this poet, this poem here is trying to communicate something? It's communicating this deep desire, right? Some of us need to hear things two or three times. Some of us don't get messages the first time. Some of you wives are really agreeing with me right now, right? And so here in this poem, three times we see this same principle given. And every time it's given, it's followed by this promise that if you choose to hear me, blessing will be what you experience. You will experience fulfillment if you choose to follow wisdom. You will experience abundance if you choose the path of wisdom. And so here we see this repeated over and over, that this is what this father desperately wants. And so in our text, again, we see these two paths that Proverbs is always talking about these two paths, the path of wisdom and the path of foolishness. And now none of us like to be kind of like boxed in in life, but the reality is every single one of us is walking one of these two paths according to Scripture. There's really not an option C of like, well, you're just kind of doing pretty good, right? The Bible does not have a category for that person. It is either the path of foolishness or the path of wisdom. And so this text really contrasts these in a really remarkable way. So first we see the path of the wicked. The way of the wicked is like darkness, and they do not know what makes them stumble. Now that's a really, this darkness that it's talking about is this enveloping darkness, all right, how many of you have ever gone into caves? Anybody like caving? All right, a couple of you are cool. Hamilton is never invite him caving. He will not go with you, okay? But caves are interesting because you're standing out in the sun and you're, like, you know, you're squinting because it's so bright. And you take a step in and it just starts to just slowly, it's getting darker and darker. And every step it's getting a little darker until it finally gets to the point where you could like smack yourself and you don't see your hand, right? This darkness that grows, that's what it's talking about with this path of the wicked. It starts out as kind of like this dim area, and it just grows, and it becomes darker and darker and darker until they get to the point where they're literally falling over, and they don't even know why. They don't know what just caught their foot. They don't even know what's making them stumble, but it's just so dark that they can't see clearly at all. Verse 16 explains it this way, for they do not sleep unless they've done evil. Their sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall. Now we read that and like, man, that is a, just a nasty description of this path. And most of us would be like, thank God I'm not one of those people. We're pretty quick to dismiss this from being a, a potential reality that we ever live in in life. But we may not lay in bed and just think, oh, I would just love to see that person fall. But I know for myself, I've had a lot of nights laying in bed thinking about how do I advance myself? And if that hurts other people, that's just kind of the cost. How do I promote my kingdom, my life, my reputation? And if it hurts somebody else, just so be it. That's the same thing. That's the very same wisdom. It's wisdom that's seeking to promote self at the expense of others. 
How many of us have laid in bed and we've dreamed of a career that will give us everything we want, but we don't consider that that's taking us away from our families and it's going to destroy our children in our, in our marriage? How many of us have laid in bed and, and, and we, we, we think about that person who has deeply hurt us and we don't, we, don't, we don't want to be the ones to hurt them, but we would love if God would do something about it. And we sit there and we just wish, God, we would just love for your vengeance to come down and your, you to set this right because they really deserve that. You see, we can be on this path of foolishness and this path of darkness, and, and we may be intentionally hurting people, or we may be very unintentionally hurting people by our choices, but either way, we're still on this path of darkness. Either way, we are choosing the path of foolishness. Every time we think and we live under this idea of how do I promote myself, even if that means somebody else is going to be hurt by it. That is a nasty description. But then we see this contrast of the path of the wisdom. Sorry, let's do this first. Here, as this father is talking to the son, he understands how dark this path is, and he really doesn't want his son to go down it. Do you catch that? In these two verses, we see six times it says basically stay away. Do not enter the path of the wicked. Do not walk in their way of evil. Avoid it. Don't travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. Have we, have we covered every single means of possibly being on this path, right? For those of you who are parents and you're watching your children make decisions, or maybe you're not a parent, but you're watching somebody you love make a decision you know is destructive, this is what you want to do. How many different ways can I tell you to stop? How many different ways can I tell you that the choices you're making are destroying your life and the life of those around you? Please hear this message. This is God's message for you today. God's heartfelt plea for you is if this is your life, stop. No matter how dark it is, don't keep going. That's not the way to find the light is to keep going deeper into the darkness. At some point, you got to take the exit and start to turn the ship around. This is the path of darkness, but now the path of wisdom in verse 18. But the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto this perfect day. Now, this is where poetry really helps us here. Because it could just say, you know, the path of the wicked's bad, but the path of the just is good. Right? That's kind of how I communicate. Like, that's a bad one. That's a good one. But you miss so much just by a simple word. Instead, instead by putting in this, this picture here, this gets all of our senses. The path of the just is like the shining sun. Who has loved spring this last couple weeks, right? And of course, like fifth winter or whatever we're on is probably coming. And it's going to snow and blizzard. But right now, it's wonderful. And we love the shining sun. As you're sitting out in the sun, you get this feeling of warmth and just peace and just you just could take a nap, and it's just delightful. That's the path of the wise. It's this path of peace. It's this path of rest. It's this path of pleasure. But what else does the sun do? Every single thing that the sun touches is given light and guidance. The sun shows you where the hole is in the road. The sun shows you what you're about to trip over. The sun shows you everything that you need to know. It gives guidance. So the path of wisdom is giving this guidance not only to what's in front of you, but also to those around you who are benefiting from the light that your life is exposing. And this is one I really enjoyed thinking about this week, that the sun gives life to everything that it touches. Can you imagine the world without the sun? No life. Everything's brown. Everything's dead. Instead, the sun, everything it touches, it gives the necessities of life to that thing. 
Every tree that we see, every flower that's starting to bloom has life because of the sun. And so as God says, the path of the wise is like this shining sun, do you understand that that's what your life does? Your life can give life to everyone around you. Your life can give guidance to everyone around you simply by choosing to walk in this path of wisdom. So the father is pleading with the son, please understand this. All of us need this message because I want you to stop and think about if you're choosing the path of foolishness and you're just kind of thinking about doing your own thing, how much destruction can you do in 10 minutes? How many lives can you destroy in 10 minutes of your own wisdom? We all see stories. They're in the paper every week, and we know individuals whose lives were destroyed in a couple minutes. Because of the choices made in just a few minutes of living foolishly, their lives and the lives around them were destroyed. You understand the heart of the Father? Do not do this. This is serious. This is not what I want for you. So as we start to think about our text, I want to explain a a pattern of Hebrew poetry that's kind of complicated, but it really adds a lot to our understanding of our text, okay? So here we go. This is my best best attempt at it. So our text today in 14 through 27 has this pattern that we can really easily miss. But it starts out with this idea of a path, and it ends with this idea of a path. And it kind of moves into this idea of sleep. I don't know about you all, but I prefer to sleep with my eyes closed. Now, there's a few of you who sleep with your eyes open, and that, that is a scary thing if you've ever seen one of those people. But as you think of sleep, you think of your eyes, and so you see this, this pattern. And then it moves on. We think of eating. Well, I prefer to do that with my mouth, right? And we see on the other side the mouth of the wise. And right in the middle, you see this idea, guard your heart. Guard your heart. You see, this, this, this poem is laid out like an arrow. It's pointing us to, to, to something that's the key element of this whole thing. And Hebrew poetry does this all the time. So if you're ever reading a psalm or a proverbs and you see, hey, that started and ended the same, work backwards and you're probably going to find there's a point here in the middle that the author's trying to get me to. So the key of our text today is this one verse, verse 23 which we read this morning, but it says this, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. As this father is pleading with his son, choose the path of wisdom, don't choose the path of foolishness, he says the whole thing comes down to this one idea. How's your heart? Your heart is what determines which path you are on in life. We could look at a hundred different examples of things that, that, are, that are symptoms of your heart, But the reality is your heart is what determines which path you're choosing in life. And so if we want to be people who are choosing the path of wisdom, it all comes down to what is the condition of our hearts. So I love this. It's this arrow. It's it's pointing us. Don't forget this main idea. But you see here, this, this, this verse, this central theme does not say, repeat that, it does not say follow your heart. That is the message of our world. Just follow your heart. Whatever you feel, just do it. Whatever feels right, just do it. Just just listen to your heart. The problem with that is the condition of our heart. Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Do you want to counsel anybody to follow that? If we follow that heart, we are obviously following directly down the path of foolishness. Instead, he says, guard your heart, keep your heart, protect your heart, defend your heart. 
Well, what heart is he talking about? The heart he's talking about is the heart that has been made new through Christ. You see, every one of us, when we play, if you have chosen to accept the gospel message which says that Jesus and his great love for us came down to earth and lived a perfect life and died for us. He died in our place. Even though he was perfect, he paid the punishment for our sins. He took our hopelessness, he took our brokenness, and he placed it upon himself and he died in our place so that we don't have to face the judgment and the penalty that we deserve. God and his gracious love for us has made us a way out. And part of that making a a new way for us, he's given us a new heart. He has made us new creations in Christ. So what is the heart that we're supposed to defend? It's not this old heart that's full of deceit and wickedness. We don't need to defend that thing. Instead, we need to keep and defend this heart that has been made new through Christ. Well... What else do we see with this idea of our heart? Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Do you see where the issues of life come from? Internal. He says the issues of life are not an external thing, they're an internal thing. Your life doesn't really come from the outside in, it comes from the inside out. Okay, do you understand why that's a big deal? Well, just a couple of weeks ago, we, the kids were playing outside, and it was, it was rainy, you know, and so they came inside and said, hey, it's starting to rain, and they said, hey, can we go play in the rain? And of course, like, you know, any normal parent, I'm like, no, no. The rain is cold, the rain is muddy, and then we get to be messy, and then we got to clean, do laundry, and then we got to do showers, and like, rain is just a lot of work. So no, you can't go play in the rain, except in the mind of a child, you know what comes up with Rain. Puddles, fun, water, digging, mud. These are wonderful things. The heart of a child sees rain and sees this is so exciting. The heart of an adult is like, oh, it's raining. Now, the issues of life is rain. The circumstance is rain. The response to it was completely different. The heart of a dad's like, no. The heart of a child is like, let's go. Now, we see that played out over and over and over in life. The circumstances of life are going to be hard. They're going to be difficult. They're going to hurt. And yet, we see people who crumble under those circumstances, and we see people who thrive in the midst of those circumstances. Well, what in the world is happening? It's the heart. Because the issues of life flow out of the heart. The heart is what allows us to see the different circumstances of life and to still experience goodness. You know what this means? And we have to keep telling ourselves this over and over. We are not victims to the circumstances of our lives. The Bible doesn't tell us that we are more than victims. No, it says you are more than conquerors through him who loved you. There is no circumstances in life that Jesus has not already conquered. There is no hurt, no pain, no frustration that we will ever experience that God has not conquered. And in so conquering, He has given us that same victory so that now out of our hearts we can have life. We can have joy and peace and abundance and faith in the midst of whatever you're facing. We do not have to be victims who choose anxiety, stress, fear, and doubt. When we choose those things, we are making that choice. 
But God has made us more than conquerors. And now this doesn't happen easily. This is a battle because do you see the other key thing of this verse 23? Keep your heart with all diligence. You know the problem with diligence? It's hard. We don't like hard things in life. We like easy things. We don't like things that take consistent effort every single day and they never go away. Right? This is like one of those projects that you're never done with. The laundry, the dishes, they never finish. They never are done, right? You're done for a moment, but then there's the dirty stuff again. The same thing is true with our heart. We keep it with all diligence. Every moment of every day, we have to fight this battle. Because if we don't keep our heart with diligence, we're going down the path of the fool. So keep our heart with all diligence. Now, if we stop here, this leaves us a little bit like fuzzy of like, man, this is obviously a very serious issue. I want to do this well. How do I know if I'm actually doing it well? Now, this goes back to our pattern of this text. This text is going to give us very clear indicators of how you know the condition of your heart. God didn't just say, I hope you can figure this out and I hope you get it right. He says, let me show you some things that clearly reveal to you the the condition of your heart. These things won't make you wonder. They won't leave you uncertain. They will clearly tell you the condition of your heart. And you see them there in these, these ideas leading up to this key idea. What are the indicators that tell me the condition of my heart? It's my mouth, my eyes, and my feet. And there's really a lot more in Scripture, but that's what's, chosen, that's what's given to us in this proverb. By looking at my mouth... I can know the condition of my heart. By looking at my eyes, I can know the condition of my heart. By watching my feet, I can know the condition of my heart. So at the end of the day, if we, if we look at this text correctly, every one of us should leave and say, I know the condition of my heart because God has told me how to look at my life and to figure out where I'm at. So we're going to look through these three different ideas together. First, verse 24, my mouth is an indicator of my heart. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. You see, the fool, as we think back to this picture here, the fool, what did they do with their mouth? They ate and they consumed wickedness. The fool wasn't careful with their mouth. They were using their mouth for destruction. They were using their mouth for pleasure. But the mouth of the wise is different. The mouth of the wise is intentional. It's careful. It's thoughtful. These are two very different descriptions of the ways that we can use our mouth. Do I use my mouth for destruction or do I use my mouth for the benefit and the goodness of others? Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 6, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good and an evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. You know, you really can't trick your heart. Because the words that come out of our mouth and the way that we use our mouths either for deception and destruction or for goodness and upbuilding is revealing the condition of our heart. Now what's super important for us to understand is how do we fix this problem of the mouth is not by focusing on our mouth. Do you see that? You don't fix your speech by thinking about and focusing on your speech. You fix your speech by focusing on your heart. Because our mouth is simply an overflow of our heart. So I can think about my speech and my mouth all day, and if I'm never changing my heart, I'm not going to win that battle. But when my heart is, when I'm living out of this new heart, and that's the driver of my life, I'm allowing King Jesus to control my heart, and and I'm fighting with that with diligence. Words that are good and upbuilding, 
are naturally what are going to come out. You know, it's a very important lesson for us all to remember. You don't have to say everything that's on your mind. There are some things that you think that need to stay up in the curliness of your brain. Some of us have to learn that lesson. Some of us have a tendency to spout everything out, and well, if I'm thinking, I might as well say it to you. Words are destructive and hurt and are harmful. You see, when we are following the heart of foolishness, we're going to say whatever we want to say, and we're going to just hurt whoever we want to hurt. When we are following the path of wisdom, we are going to be careful with our words because our heart is a heart of wisdom. So when we hear foolish and destructive words coming out of our mouth, it's a warning that it's time to guard our hearts, right? Maybe this is a real struggle for you. It's okay. It's okay if this is a battle. It's okay if you've not conquered this. You know what? All of us every day say idle words and words that were not helpful. This is not meant to just cause us to beat ourselves up. It's not meant to just be this burden that weighs us down. No, instead, this is a, this is a gift from God to say, hey, I want you to be able to be aware for yourself the condition of your heart. If you listen to your words and listen to the things you're saying, it's going to reveal your heart to you. Whether that reveals goodness or badness, that's okay, but it needs, when we see whatever's revealed, we need to stop in that moment and say, what do I need to do with what was just revealed? But how many of us live with that level of intentionality and thinking about, man, what did those words just do to other people, and what is that revealing about the condition of my heart? So when we find ourselves failing, don't lose hope. And said, stop in that moment, ask forgiveness for our God who is gracious, and ask Him to renew our hearts and go on again. Don't get beat up. Don't quit. We want to take our words seriously because they reveal our hearts and they're showing us something about ourselves. Verse 25 shows us the next indicator. My eyes are an indicator of my heart. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Now, this is a really interesting thing here. You know, this is repeating the same idea kind of twice, and I don't want to make too much of this, but I want, I want, I want you to, like, help me out with a little experiment right now, okay? Mostly because I get to watch it. And it's going to be funny. All right, I need all of you to look at this wall over here. Turn your heads and look at this wall. All right. Now, keep your head there and look at your eyeballs. Look at me. Keep your head there and turn your eyeballs to look at me, right? Now, that's a difficult... All right, you can look back now. I don't want to make you get headaches. Now, that, that's a weird way to live, right? But you think about, like, he's kind of saying, this is possible. You're trying to keep your eyes straight ahead, but your eyelids are looking over here. And God, how do we walk through life like this? Of like, I want to do my own thing, but I think God's over there somewhere. I see him out of the corner of my eye. That's not the way to wisdom. Wisdom has your eyelids open. They're right in front of you. You're you're focused. You're laser visioned. Where is my God? As we think about our eyes being indicators, obviously there's a very clear way that our eyes indicate the condition of our heart. We choose what we want to set before our eyes. We have a lot of choices with the way we use our phones and our computers and our TVs. We have a choice to make of what we choose to set before our eyes. And we have this weird thought in our minds that I can look at something and it not really affect me. I can look at an image that's burning into my brain, but it won't really change me. It won't affect how I treat other people. That is a lie. The things we see affect the way we treat other people. The things we choose to set our minds on are going to change how I view others, how I love others, how I think about others every time. 
So the things I choose to set my eyes on, the things I choose to look at with my life are an indicator of the condition of my heart. That's very clear and obvious with the images we set before us, but there's another way that our eyes are indicators of our heart, and we see this at the very beginning, Genesis chapter 3. So here is the enemy, here's, here's the serpent talking to Eve. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, talking about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, your eyes will be open and you will be like God knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of it, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Now, do you know that Eve had seen this tree before? As Eve is wandering around the garden, she had laid eyes on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil before. But this day, her eyes were different. This day, as she looked at that tree, her eyes were looking in a different way. They were no longer looking through her relationship with God and says, God is protecting me from something I don't really understand. But God is the king. He's in control. And if he said to stay away, then I I, I need to not eat of that tree. Her eyes used to look at the tree in that way. But on this day, her eyes were looking differently. Her eyes were looking with lust and desire. Her eyes were looking with this thought of I'm lacking something. Her eyes were hungry for more, lusting for more. These eyes and the way she looks were revealing the condition of her heart. Instead, Hebrews 12 offers us a much better way to use our eyes, looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, as we are going throughout our days and we are facing these temptations to lust and to desire and we are facing the struggles of life, we choose what we look at and we choose how we look at it. Proverbs is warning us, my son, set your eyes on Jesus Christ, your Savior, your provider, your sustainer, the one who has completed his mission and is now sitting with his full glory on display in heaven. In that same way, the Bible tells us that the whole earth is full of his glory. Do your eyes ever see that in a day? Or when you look at the world, do you just look at what you don't have? I don't have that. I don't have that. I wish I had that. I wish I had her. Or do you look at the world as a display of God's glory? When life is chaotic and you don't know which way is up, do you look at the one steadfast, immovable rock that will not be moved, which is Jesus Christ? Set your eyes on Him. The things we choose to set our eyes on, the way we make it through our days, tells the condition of our heart. If you remember back to our little pattern, the foolish person, they couldn't sleep. They were sitting there and their eyes were awake because they were so full of lust and desire. How do I go get what I want? How do I accomplish the things that I want? And their eyes were moving with this desire. But yet, as Proverbs has showed us, the eyes of the wise are at rest. The eyes of the wise can just close at night and just rest and relax. But the eye of the fool is always bouncing and looking and thinking and consuming. So when we start to notice our eyes are wandering from our Savior to our lust, that's a warning that we need to guard our hearts to avoid the path of foolishness. Well, our third indicator, my feet are an indicator of my heart. Now, don't like check out your toes. It's not what this is saying, right? 
It says this, ponder the path of your feet and let your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. You see the foolish person, do you remember how it talks about their path? They just kind of wander through life. They just go wherever they want. They just they don't really live with intentionality. They're just kind of waiting for the next opportunity. Then they'll try that one, and then they're going to try this one, and then they're going to try that one, and let's try it over here. And life is just this bouncing around, and you just kind of never know where they're going to go. The only thing consistent with the path of the fool that it's, is that it's leading to destruction and that it's consumed with themselves. Instead, God wants our feet to tell a different story about us. And if we have a heart that is seeking wisdom, we have a heart that is pure, our feet do tell a different story about us. See then that you walk circumspectly or carefully, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. I really had in my mind like this awesome illustration of just covering the stage with mousetraps right? And then like putting this prize back here and having somebody come up and be like, all right, if you can get to the prize, you get it, right? Wouldn't that have been cool? But I had this like vision in my mind, like I'm going to not pay attention, step on it. It's going to set them off and be a huge distraction. So I'll just tell you about it, okay? But if that was the scenario and this place was just covered with mouse, with traps, right? You would be walking very carefully, right? You're going to be intentional with every step of your foot. I'm going to place my foot with purpose. Now, if you're you're foolish and you just like pain, you're like, oh, a prize, right? And pop, 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 they're going off everywhere. You see, the path, the wise person walks with intentionality. They walk with purpose. They walk with vision. They're looking every step of their day, God, what is it that you want me to do right now? This is not my day. This is yours. How many of us wake up and we know exactly what that day holds? We know what we're going to do. We know when we're going to do it. and We know how it's going to go. That's all fine and well to plan, but the wise person says, Lord, this is my plan, but this day is yours. Do with it what you want. You know when you just have to run into a store to grab one thing and it turns into a 30-minute session because you meet somebody that just needs to talk? Oftentimes, we call those interruptions, distractions. You know what God calls those? Opportunities. Intentional meetings that he put before us. The wise person doesn't think like that. They're walking with intent. They know that they've got their thing to do and nothing else can stop them. But the wise person is careful with their feet. Every step is with purpose. Every step is looking to the Lord for guidance. Every step is careful. Do you see these indicators? When we see our feet moving through a day with no intentionality or little care for others around us, that's a warning that we need to guard our hearts to avoid the path of foolishness. I hope that this is a very just clear example for all of us. That God desperately wants our hearts to be pure. He desperately wants us to live with hearts that are wise. And he wants to show us exactly how to know which path we are on. I want you to hear the heart of the Father pleading with you to choose the path of wisdom. Don't take this choice lightly. God wants to redeem your story. He wants to take you from wherever you are on your life's journey. He wants you to bring you to this path that leads to blessing, fulfillment, and life for you and for all those around you. I want you just to stop for just a moment and just think, what path do you find yourself traveling down today? Where are you? 
Others in your life, those closest to you, they may not really know, but you know. Think about the words that you said this week. Think about the things that you focused on with your eyes this week. Think about the way that you walked throughout your day. What are those revealing to you about the condition of your heart? God does not want you to leave here uncertain or unsure. He wants it to be clear because wherever you're at, if it's clear, then you know the next step. If you evaluate your life and you say, you know what, this is discouraging, my life is getting darker, my relationships are broken, I don't even know why, don't lose hope. God is a God who redeems the most broken of stories. Let us come alongside of you and help you on your journey. But maybe as you evaluate your life, maybe you're encouraged. It wasn't perfect, but overall God is working in you, and overall these things are indicators of a good heart. Rejoice in that and be thankful and be glad and do not let pride sneak into your life. Any good that is within us is a gift from the Lord. It is not of us. So if we evaluate our lives, which is important to do, and we see, you know what, God is working in me and we are moving in a good direction, praise be to God. How great is thy faithfulness. God wants you to know God wants you to choose well because God wants what is best for you. And what is so beautiful about this is that what is best for you is also best for God. When we are most satisfied in life, it's when we are most satisfied in Him. God's greatest desire is to be glorified. And when we glorify Him with our lives, that is where we find satisfaction and joy and wisdom. Take this seriously and evaluate yourself in this week to come. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your patience with us. We thank you for your steadfastness in the midst of our back and forth decisions of life. Father, I pray that that we would hear and feel this plea from your heart this morning. Thank you, Father, for desiring to show us where we truly are at. Father, I pray for those who are discouraged by their lives right now that they would find hope. And I pray for those who are encouraged by their life, God, that they would find more rejoicing and delight in who you are and the work that you've done within them. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you were encouraged by the teaching of God's word. If you have questions or would like more information about our church, you can find us at www.robbinsvillefbc.org or call the office at 828-479-3423. God bless you and have a great day.